Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Hip Hop Saved My Life podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Now sit back because it's time for the podcast. Welcome to Hip Hop Saved My Life. Uh, it's been, a, it's been a, a mad ride. We stopped before Christmas. Rupert and I talked about coming back after Christmas. We weren't able to because of various issues and literally been inundated with a wall of silence for people asking for this to come back. So this yeah. is really, it it's really de- is very much in the, face isn't of, it? it's in the face of absolutely zero demand. We are back. <laughs> we're we're uh, still back, but we're still on series three, right? Yeah. We could just call this series four. <laughs> yeah, we could do. I suppose we could do. Yeah. It, it, it gives the... It gives the the uh, unexpected break of reason, doesn't it? Uh, but the yeah, truth yeah, is, yeah. Uh, but we're back. But what a way to come back, guys! I mean, this is this is next level shit. Now we have got, and she won't like us saying this. She is a broadcasting legend, ladies and gentlemen. We present to you, Edith Bowman. Hello, how are you? No pressure, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Ooh, yeah, I'm good, thanks. Slightly nervous now, but yeah, I'm good. It is lovely to have you on, mate. Um, oh, it's lovely to see you both. And, and you know, I know people are listening, but I can see you both, so that's nice as well. Yeah, yeah well, uh, you look in, in good nick, whereas Rupert and I, lockdown... Listen, Rupert, I don't want to be a crook, but lockdown has is taken its effect on us. So it's taken it has, its toll yeah. on us. We're both we, wearing black hoodies. Yeah, yeah. you are. Really crap backgrounds, and even it's got like really professional background. Yeah, I thought it was some kind of like merch for the podcast that you were both no. like in sort of podcast uniform or something. No, so, it's yeah. it's more of a it's more of a podcast theme of us just sort of giving up. Do you, yeah, you yeah. just sort of think it's the most forgiving thing you can wear? <laughs> is a really baggy black. When they announced lockdown three, I bought a matching like top and bottom sort of yeah. leisure suit straight away. I bought two extra pairs of pajamas. Nice. <laughs> I feel a bit grubby if I just keep wearing them like throughout the whole week. But oh, it's fine. Yeah. Who's gonna know? <laughs> Do you know the thing I've started doing though is um, if I'm going like, for example, the other day I had to go and do rehearsals for for, for King Gary, and I got so dressed up. I planned my outfit the night before because I'm just so buzzing. Yeah. Because yeah. people are actually gonna see me out of the house, man. It's mad, right? Yeah. I had to go to studio last Monday and. Um... I had verbal diarrhea for the first hour and a half. Like any person like I saw that was within like, you know, two meters of me, I just talked at them for like 20 minutes. Yeah. And you could see them just itch, sort of inching away from me. Okay, enough now sort of thing. (laughs) Get out of my face. I had a a similar thing when I was on on my walk and I bumped into someone I knew, but Mm. I'd sort of forgotten how to talk to people and I was like, nervous and sort of breathless i know what you mean yeah yeah i'm actually a little bit i was thinking about this yesterday a part of me is a little bit scared about it going back to normal Mm. just in terms of how 
what's it going to be like? How am I, how am I going to, you know, I love talking to people, but how am I going to cope having the opportunity to talk to whoever I want, whenever I want, hug whenever I want, hopefully, mm. you know, all that kind of stuff. It started to make me feel a little bit, I don't know, uneasy, wordly. Yeah, I know. It's like, I sort of think like all of the people that I've been, you know, there's people I've been working with over the last year who I've just worked with on Zoom. And I'm gonna to have to readjust that them having like a rest of their body. Do you know what I mean? Because I've just sort of, I've just sort of seen that little frame of them for so long. Yeah. Like shit, you still you still do have the rest of you in that. It's good to see it. Yeah, you know? I'm gonna have like a kind of big hat made with this background so that I can just walk yeah. about with it the whole time. Mate, it's so mad. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like sensory overload. Do you know what the, the first? I reckon we're gonna to have to sort of get eased back into it. I, I reckon I'm gonna, yeah. you know, we just sort of you go to you go to a place where there might be three or four people. And then you go to a place where there might be 10 people and eventually just sort of get yourself back to a situation where you're able to see and deal with groups of people because otherwise yep. it's going to be such a head fuck. When I get to my first gig or festival, I'm just going to self-combust, I think, you know, in terms of like just, it's just going to, yeah, I'll, I think it'll be like, you know, like when a, when a baby's able to do like everything at once, like shit, fart, burp and cough and sneeze sort of thing. Yeah. I think I'm yeah. going to be the kind of adult equivalent at my first gig. <laughs> Do you feel like because I was like because I, I think I've said this before in a podcast, but like Lisa, my wife, she's um, she says to me she's got a psychological block now. It's going to take her a while to get back into the headspace of wanting to be in a in a theatre or a gig or whatever like that. Which you know, considering her husband's sort of main stream of income <laughs> is through that kind of work. It's, she uh, never, it's never went anyway, though, did she? To see what to see? No, you. she didn't come and see. No, she didn't come and see me. No, but but you know. <laughs> When she's seeing comedians that she likes and stuff, yeah, yeah. you know, she said to me that it was it, she was struggling to get back into that headspace. So, do you feel like are you like just buzzing to get back into it, or do you have those same kind of uh, reservations? I, I weirdly think with the live music side of things, I've got um, I'm gagging to 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 experience that again. And weirdly, when I was thinking about today and and thinking about you know all these amazing artists that I've seen over the years at, at their own gigs or at festivals and stuff. I got so excited and I've had one experience in in the year that we've been in lockdown, various lockdowns, that I was able to go to a gig as such. And I did the um, proms with Laura Marling at the Royal Albert Hall. And it oh, was yeah. Laura and uh, it was like, was it 16 piece like string orchestra? And they, it was empty apart from the crew and myself and Susie Klein. And um, I felt like I had an out-of-body experience. I was so emotional. Like yeah. it, phys it physically like kind of just sort of made everything feel so raw. And I heard the lyrics in a different way than I'd heard. And I the music kind of just, it felt like it was, you know, when you, <laughs> don't know if you ever have this where like a big, a, there's a song that will just, you feel it almost tingling under your skin in a way. Yeah. And it was yeah. kind of like that for the whole, the whole gig really. It was so bizarre. So it was a, it was like a, a kind of natural high. It was bonkers. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll have that again, please. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm sort of slightly loath to talk about this because Rupert couldn't make the gig in the end, but I, I, I went to see Kano at the Royal Albert Hall. Oh. Um, like this is like pre, pre COVID. Right. But like, yeah, he had a full orchestra. It was obviously like a, he went all out for that. I mean, Kano always goes all out, but on this particular gig, he'd gone all out as a big thing for Grime to be in the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah. And do you know that thing where 
he was on top of his game. And there's one bit where I think he just done like with full horns and stuff, P's and Q's and like every, like the whole place was jumping. Right. And mm-hmm. at the end of it, he looked in awe of what was going on. You know, when you sort of think, I'm watching you have a moment in your career. Yeah. Do you know I mean? like, it's not the same as what you're talking about, but I recognise that thing where you go, this is such a unique yeah. set of energy, like type of energy. Do you know what I mean? Where like, I just felt like you almost feel fucking overwhelmed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's mad. That's it's amazing. Mad. I've, I've, I've only had that a couple of times where you, like, you, you, like you say, like the artist is, there's no boundaries between the yeah. audience and the artist almost in a way. It's kind of like, it's almost like they feel like they're part of the audience and you feel like you're, kind of on stage with them sort of thing it's it's amazing when when artists are able to do that and I think as well when it's sometimes it's the environment that accentuates that you know for him to be in the Royal Albert Hall like you say but with that orchestra and stuff as well it's those sort of special moments isn't it yeah uh yeah definitely uh, and one of the things that we're always saying on this podcast um is well, I am. I shouldn't. I shouldn't put this on Rupert. But I'm always moaning about live hip hop, right? Like in terms yeah. of like, I've been. I've been to go and see uh, so many acts that I love their record, right? And yeah. like, particularly when I was I, now, I'm a bit more. You know, as I'm older, I, you, you sort of think whatever this experience is, I'm I'm I'm, I'm okay with it. But mm-hmm. back in like when you're younger, you're a bit more sort of idealistic about it all, and you're like, I, you know, I'm going to be in the same room as this person that made this record that like. I'm so excited about. And I've been disappointed throughout my hip-hop life. I've been disappointed so many times by gigs. The great ones, amazing, right? And the people yeah. that go all out, like you know, like talking about one that Rupert and I went together to, when we went to see Kendrick at the O2, that was oh, amazing. amazing, right? Amazing. Yeah. And like he'd gone all out. And I realised that he's, you know, if you're at the O2, you're operating at a certain level. I understand that. But you're somebody who, um, I know you love your hip-hop, but you also... You've got such an eclectic music taste. Um, is that an unfair thing that I'm putting on hip hop? Is that true of all music? I mean, what's your take on it? Yeah, I think that I think it's about how the artist approaches the live gig. Like I had a similar thing. Like when I was at um, when I was at MTV and kind of Eminem had just you know kind of exploded onto the scene, and I remember going to see him at a tiny little club in Barcelona with Zayn Lowe. Um, called Razmataz and it was it was like an after party type thing and it was unbelievable but he only played about three or four songs and then cut to a couple of years later and I was doing the TV coverage for what was Tea in the Park up in Scotland and he was headlining and it was the one of the worst things I've ever seen um really and it's yeah and I just think it's because he I do, you know, I'm not saying it was him, but obviously part of it was him, but just hadn't put the effort into the whole production level for that size of size of a you know, kind of stage and crowd. Yeah. Was that and, like a festival and he just sort of turns up, do you think, or was it Yeah, I mean he just rocked up in his dungarees and a chainsaw and he hadn't really kind of thought much about it. I remember as well, it was so funny, the camera, the 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 guys in the, the truck had found this little kid in the crowd who was obviously knew every word to every song. And so they kept cutting back to this kid. And to be fair, I'd have much rather watched this kid for the entire thing than I would have with. But then you look at someone like like Dave a couple of years ago at, at, at Glastonbury and how he rose to that challenge. He was on in the middle of the day, but by God, that was a 
absolutely knock out the park mm. um, set. Do you know what I mean? It's in terms of look at this opportunity and look what you can do with it and pull out all the guns, just go for it. Do you know what I mean? In terms yeah. of like just give it loudly, give it what you've got sort of thing. And that's kind of, um, I think, where I've loved the stuff that I've been really impressed with. You can feel that they've they've really thought about it and they've really thought about wanting to achieve something and not kind of just, you know, gone with the flow or just rocked up with their back and track and doing the job, yeah, sort of nine to five in it a bit. Yeah. 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 But the thing is like the thing is it's like it music, it's sort of it reminds me a bit of comedy in terms of like when you go to a when you go to a festival or anything like that, and you often the people you're talking about when you leave is the is the band or the artist who you weren't necessarily a massive fan of before you went. Yeah. But mm. they just they just absolutely smashed it. I mean, like you go and watch the headline act and you go, they were as I expected them to be. I had higher expectations. But this other band, this other person who I didn't know about mm-hmm. or didn't, you know, just went across went along to watch as like a, out of curiosity. Yeah. You know, that you've you make you can make fans like that. And like, you know, same thing with comedy. When we have like you have like charity gigs and mixed bills and stuff. If people sometimes the best spot to be, the best person to be is the least known person on the bill because then if you if you rip it they're like who the hell is this guy do you know what I mean like, so yeah. it's um, yeah it's like it's it's weird isn't it I just think that sometimes you can feel that artists are like I'm going to try and turn you all into fans and yeah. other times you watch it and you go that it just looks like it's a contractual obligation that they've been yeah. told they have to yeah, do yeah. this thing right well I always had this thing sort of you know where I would as much as I could possibly was go and see make sure I was there for the support band for a gig because you know you you go and see one of your favorite bands or artists sort of thing you're kind of you know they've they've they're them or their management have been involved in picking who the support band is you know so you know it's almost like that thing you like this you might like this kind of thing so it's weirdly like whereas I've kind of discovered some of my kind of you know new favorite sort of bands over the year like the national I saw support and my husband actually editors at Manchester and that was like I was like it was like who the like, never mind you lot who's this kind of thing you know it's just, it's amazing and then you know I think that's a a nice tip as well if you're going to a gig is like go and support the support band yeah yeah that that's a a lot of people have a terrible attitude towards that I feel sorry for support bands at some gigs when you just go it's like this is rank I have a real problem as well with people talking at gigs. It really does my head in. Like, I've, yeah. I, there's a few times where I've gone up to people and like, could you go and chat at the bar or fuck off kind of thing, basically? Because it's just like, it, it's just, oh, yeah, it's one of my pet hates, man. Oh, God, does my head in. I know. Mine is when people film it on an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> my dad did, my, did that at my wedding. As I was coming in, my dad's on his iPad filming it. What are you doing, father? Yeah, that's- <laughs> <laughs> so, Edith, you, you, uh, obviously, you know you're here, but actually, I actually, years ago, uh, texted into one of your shows. Did uh, you? Yeah, it was like a late night. I can't remember. It, it was years and years ago, and I'd just been to see The Roots in concert. Right? Oh, wow. And, and then you were asking about live performances. Yeah. And like, has anybody been to any decent gigs recently? And yeah. in my sort of so desperate to tell everybody I knew that, uh, <laughs> that I've been to, I just went, oh, hi, Edith, Robert Schwang and A from here. I just went, I went to see The Roots in concert. 
And uh, and then I listened, and then you read out my thing, and you obviously knew who, knew about who the roots were and everything. And I was just like, oh my god, Edith knows the roots. Oh, this is you know, like I, I don't know if you realise, but like <laughs> when when somebody I, when somebody reads out your thing on radio. I love it. I, I bust my tits off, man. Same. <laughs> I did it daily. Still. Mum, did you record it? Did you get a copy? No, of it? I didn't. I didn't record it. But I was just like, when I heard the thing, when I heard you talking about gigs, I was just like, I was still. I had like, I think it was two days after the gig, and I was still buzzing mm. off the euphoria of having been to go see him. So I was like, I texted, and I was all it's just you're just sitting there waiting, just like, oh, and, oh yes, yes, she's coming to me. This is so good. Oh, it's so, <laughs> I was so, it was so pathetic, really. But actually, I, um, I love doing late night radio. It's great. Yeah, it, it, it was exciting. It was you. It was very exciting for me. So thank you for that, man. I appreciate. Oh, it. my pleasure. Uh, so you're a hip hop fan. What sort of albums were you listening to when you first got into hip hop? Remember your first kind of uh, foray into it? Yeah. So I am. Um, when I was about fifteen, I used to go along to because so, I grew up in a tiny little fishing village. So you know there were slight limitations in terms of what we had access to back in the you know the early days many many years ago um and um i had a friend who lived in dunfermline and she was going out with a guy who was a fair bit older than her who's a dj at this club called the cronk which was this kind of sort of little hip-hop club in the kind of outskirts of dunfermline and we used to go and almost kind of just dance in the dj booth type thing and uh, and I really got I got introduced to a lot of stuff there, but the thing that really kind of stayed with me and resonated was was Three Feet High and Rising Badella Soul. And I could recite that entire album. It was I listened to it like nonstop. I went through like three cassettes of it because I kind of, you know, played it so much in my little mini metro that I drove around. And then what was really funny was I remember my dad playing um you know my dad had a great record collection and there was one day where the kind of penny dropped and he was playing Hall and Oates and I was like what how come Hall and Oates are why Hall and Oates using that Della Soul track do you know what I mean and then it's like ah man no my brother no my sister trying to get hit to this word word to the mother I'll tell the truth so bear my witness like birds of a feather, drugs are like clever. You don't want to wear it. No need to ask that question, just don't mention. You know what the answer is. Now, I never fancy Nancy, but the statement she made held a plate of weight. I even stressed it to weight. Did he take any heat? Now, the boy was hooked. You could phrase the word bass, and the kid just shook. In his fashion class, once a now and left. The rock moves him now. The only designs left were once clothes made for Oshkosh has converted to nothing but stonewash. And then I kind of, you know, then it's sort of the penny sort of dropped yeah. sort of thing. And and it's and that was, I just think they were amazing kind of, you know, they were almost like um, the, the imagery that they created through their lyrics, I thought was just extraordinary. And the way they use samples, particularly on that record, I just think is, and the story of it, you know, the narrative of the album and all these kind of little, all these tiny little little tracks like Della Orgy and all that kind of stuff that are just yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it was, I loved it I absolutely I still do and it's almost really transportative as well when I listen to it now mm. and it uh, makes me feel young again Della Soul um, that and that album in particular Free Feet High and Rising you know there's obviously loads of like stuff written about what, what an impact that album had yeah but like they had people sending in answers to them about how many like threads dry and a shredded wheat biscuit and all that kind of shit you know the game show and stuff 
But yeah. that, that thing about the thing about the samples is so interesting because like the, the number of the sheer number of samples on a De La Soul record was so many, and they'd use bit they'd use tiny little bits, they'd use bits for a little a second and stuff like that, mm. and it was an it was amazingly densely put together. But um, I think it caused them real loads of problems because like, in terms of putting that on like Spotify or, or whatever later on down the line, in terms of clearing all that shit, I don't even think, I think sometimes it's a situation where they don't even, like, they, you know, they're like, I don't even know what the fuck. I don't remember what was on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. they were so amazing because um, I think they were just so different, you know, and, and it's, it's that thing of like, there was just just nothing like them when they came out. Do you know what mm. I mean? And that whole thing when and they obviously you know when the native tongues with like Tribe Called Quest and all that came off the back of that. Yeah, it was such an amazing time. And yeah, they're like I think De La Soul, De La Soul are like up there with my like my favorite ever. I've even got like I've even got them on my that's like, I've got oh. them on my, on my wrist. So but I, I I properly love them. And this is what the sad thing is. This is really sad, actually. It's it's actually might be even sadder than what I said to you about texting into your radio session. The voice is sad. That's lovely. The other tattoo is with you, Edith. There's another tattoo. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> Celebrate that, mate. Yeah, sorry. It's just um, well, listen, I can't I can't show it to you now, but there is a tattoo there. Um, no, it's um, uh, I, I sent a photo of my tattoo to pause the news from De La Soul and with a little message going, I got I got a tattoo of you, wow. and he was like. He was like, cool, man. Like, he just wants me thinking. In what form did he send it to him? Um, I sent it to him with, like, a pair of my underwear. (laughs) No. Uh, No, I just just sent it on Instagram. I just sent it on Instagram. (laughs) Um, Did he respond? That's good. He said, that's really cool. (laughs) But, I mean, he said it in the same way that I, when my six-year-old does a picture that I can't quite identify, I say, that's really cool. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I don't think think it's really... uh, yeah, that's oh, that's really good. That's really good. Um, yeah. You don't know where I live or anything, do you? Just I'm just double checking. No reason. <laughs> did you did you go on to did you go on to listen to any of their other stuff or was it sort of was that the album that kind of started I, I, and ended? With it? I did, but I, I didn't kind of have that same kind of yeah. I don't know that same connection with it. I think because that album. It was more than just putting an album on and, and listening to it. It was a, you know, it was a physical thing as well. Like I just remember, like I love dancing. I love kind of just, you know, that's one thing that I really miss as well. Is like I remember last February I went to a, a mate's birthday and um, I've spent about four hours just on the dance floor dancing, and it's like that's like. Uh, and and so that I just remember kind of spending so much time at this club dancing and my mate Susie and I we even had a wee dance that we called the teapot dance for me myself and I and um, was uh, it's you kind of like you kind of sort of you squint your shoulders up a bit and then your hand mm. one hand does that like it's kind of like almost like stirring the tea right we still do it when we see each other which isn't very often but yeah we still we've always got the teapot what it did do was it kind of it it opened up that that kind of uh, you know the, the doors of a different genre of music than my mum and dad had around the house or that was was on the radio really as well because it's really interesting because my kids I've got two boys who are seven and twelve they don't talk or think about music within genres. Mm. Oh really? Um, no, not at all. Which is really interesting because. Because their their exposure to music is through a lot of it's through film, 
And so they'll, you know, they'll watch like at the minute we all we have on is Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack one and two right. nonstop. Right, right. Um, and so you know that's got a whole. It's obviously got a, an era around it in terms of the eighties and stuff as well. But films are a big in for them for music, and so things like you know on the on the the um, planes film. My my little one when he was like four was like mad into ACDC because of that track Thunderstruck being in there. And so it's really interesting. But then they'd also like lump in the score for The Mandalorian from Ludwig Göransson. So they just don't think about music yeah. as genre, which is really, really interesting. Whereas it was kind of, when I was growing up, it was you were into what genres of music were yeah, or yeah. are you into? And you almost had to be defined. Mm. And it was so nice of you saying, talking about when you, when you messaged the radio station and you were like, shit, she knows who the roots are. And I guess for me, that's this, I think that was the point with that Della Soul record was that it kind of was like, well, you can like loads of stuff. You can be in like tons of different types of things. You don't have to be in one gang sort of thing. Yeah. And because I felt like with that record as well, it was so accessible, you know, a lot of it, not all of it, obviously, but a lot of it was really accessible. It had a real pop side to it. So it was almost my kind of sort of, you know, easy drive into to that side of it. And then kind of I got obsessed with the soundtrack from Colours, that film that I just... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Flipping loved that. And I, I, I knew every word. I am a nightmare walker, the psychopath talking. King of Jungle just, you know, I was like, I, I, it was insane. I was obsessed with it. I am a nightmare walking, psychopath talking. King of my jungle, just a gangster, stalking, living life like a firecracker, quick as my fuse. Been dead as a death, back the colors I choose. Red or blue, cause of blood, it just don't matter. Sucker died for your life when my shotgun scatters. Colors, the gangs of LA will never die. Just multiply colors. And I had that kind of weird thing where I went from like one obsession to the next because I just immersed myself in it. Um, fell in love with Tupac, was convinced I was going to meet him and we were just, you know, before obviously. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I don't know if you were like this, Ron, but when I was like yeah. deep into like 90s hip hop, I was like, I just hated anyone who listened to any other style of music. I was like... <laughs> Any like rock, any, any other genre, I was like, I just absolutely You're just like that dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I, it's so weird though, isn't it? I was like that as well. And then even yeah. then, even if people were into hip-hop, they had to be into the right type of hip-hop. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. I think they were like dick as well. Pure so a, yeah, there's only really like 3% of music being put out that I would consider you acceptable to listen to. Do you know the funny thing about colours, right? Is that I used to be a massive... You know, Ice T is obviously like a, a legend, right? And then, do you know? Do you know they've done a new show in America, The Masked Dancer? Do you know this? Do you know this show? You is know the Masked like Singer. Mask it's a Masked Singer, except it's a spin-off. Oh spin no, he's not. Right, no. mate, mate. It was, oh no. It was so crazy. It was like I can't remember what the name of his character is, but it had a glitter ball on its head. And then, like, they go, you know, they do the thing, take it off, take it off, and then he pulls it off. And it was it was ice motherfucking tea. Jeez. Can you remember what he was dancing to? It was like it was some disco number or something. I mean, this is a guy that didn't even dance in his own video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's like a generation of people who probably don't even know he's a rapper. 
you know what I mean? I know. Yeah, 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 exactly. They know him from the films that he's been in. Or, yeah. yeah. They know him from knocking about with Coco in that reality show. <laughs> <laughs> I follow him on Instagram and you know everyone was doing that Bernie Sanders meme or whatever. Oh, yeah. 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 He did one like five days later, which was just the power cover, but with Bernie Sanders sat there. He was like, what? There's <laughs> 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 nothing. You're like, don't worry about it. It's so funny, all that. Because like, even when like, I think about, I think about like Ice Cube or whatever, and like, Ice Cube, I don't know how much of Ice Cube you ever listened to, but obviously, you know, after he left NWA, he made, he had a, a three album run of some of the most like powerful mm. hip hop in the 90s. You know, he did America's Most Wanted, he did Death Certificate, and yeah. then he did um, Predator. And um, they, those albums were like, they were like an amazing snapshot of black America at that time and the, the situation that the African-Americans found themselves in in the 90s. And that's the same guy that's in Are We There Yet? You know, like, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not criticising him for that. It's just, it's so mind-blowing that you think, you sort of fast forward a few years and Ice Cube's like super mainstream, man. And there's, there's absolutely, I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's just so fun. I just think it's so funny, man, to see that. He's that's also... I downloaded Cameo the other day just to look at rappers that are on there, and he's on there. Is it? Which I was quite surprised about, yeah. Have you been, you must have been approached to do Cameo. Oh, yeah, I did actually. Someone messaged me on, I, I thought, on um, Instagram, and yeah. I just ignored it because I thought it was a, I thought it was a scam. And then I weirdly heard, I can't remember who I heard, who I saw, like, was it Lily Allen I saw? Yeah, she's on there, yeah. Was saying about, do you want me to sign something or something? I can't remember, but yeah, it was something like that. I was like, what is this thing? Yeah, it's um, it's basically a nice way of making money from telling people, like wishing people happy birthday, I think, is, is what I... <laughs> I, haven't do, I haven't done it. You can charge but, us. Um, Some people charge you like up to 500 quid for like a yeah. half-minute clip. What? Yeah, yeah. Bloody hell. What did you say the email address was for the website address? <laughs> <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, man, what's your favorite hip-hop album? So is Three Feet High and Rising your, is that your favorite ever hip-hop album, then, would you say? Uh, fairly close, I think. Um, yeah. I love. I, I mean, I, 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 I was when I was at MTV again. I, it, it had a massive influence me on influence on me in terms of of the access I had to to music and what I could listen to and what I could see and what I could go and see as well. And um, the first time I ever went to New York 
was with MTV to interview the Beastie Boys. Amazing, yeah. Um, I've never been so terrified in my entire life. Uh, and do you know what was my saving grace in that interview? God. Being Scottish. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know why they love Scotland, but they were like, they were so brilliant. And just L Communication for me is just like, I don't know, I just love that record. Mm. Again, almost like you know, it's that thing where they encompass so they're not sort of pure one thing or the other, they never have been. They just you know, they, they kind of mess with your head, really. You know, no one would be able to make up a musical formula of the Beastie Boys because they just have always done it their own way. And I think that for me, that record just I don't know, it was at a time as well where I was just kind of it felt like it was a real soundtrack for me. Um, and that's the one. That and that and Della Soul are the ones that I kind of choose to kind of go and listen to more than anything else, I think. The Beastie Boys, I totally agree with you, everything you said about them. They're so amazing. They, they did, a, they did a, a book, I think I've talked about them on the pod before, but they did, they, the Beastie Boys book is enormous, first of all. It's, it's intimidating. It, yeah. enormous. Have you got it? Yeah. yeah, it's here. Have you read it, Edith? No. I started listening to the, pod, the, the audio version. Which is, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. is amazing. Yeah. This this was, do you know what? I got this at the start of the last lockdown, and this was like, yes, this is what I'm going to read. It's like, I haven't fucking read a book in a year. Do you know what I mean? I know, I know. I, I read it, I read it, and um, it's, in, it's it's an amazing book. Like, I mean, the detail they go into it, I mean, I, the, the publishers must have been absolutely furious because the amount of little uh, comic book bits and like pull out bits and like little, it must have been so expensive yeah. to make. But the, the, the two things that struck me about it, which sort of t- which do tie into what you said actually, is in the, in the beginning part of that book uh, that they've written about themselves, they don't come across that well in it at all. In terms of like their behavior, how they treated people, their attitudes to stuff. And they're yeah. quite open about sort of how immature they were and how kind of sort of shitty they were. Do you mean they're playing that kind of, they're playing that rock star role. Absolutely. They're just being pricks, being pricks to people for just no fucking reason or whatever. Yeah, being so, the worst yeah. people to interview. That's why I was shitting myself about going to New York to interview them. Cause I'd, I'd like, I don't know why I got sent either, but I think it was maybe everybody else had tried and had had a shit time. So it's like, I'll send Bowman. Um, and I, but weirdly from that point on, every time I got to interview them, which was quite a few times after that, they were, they were so, they remembered, which was amazing. And they were so, uh, they were just so generous. Like I remember at Teen the Park as well, they, we played table football in the rain filming an interview and stuff. And they were just fucking great fun. So I, yeah. I feel like I was one of the lucky ones after kind of, and fuck, did I do my homework, you know, in terms of going for that to do that interview and I, I kind of rocked up there feeling like I was you know my ammunition was there for any opportunity and um yeah. I, I don't know whether they saw that or not but um I was so thankful and relieved after that yeah yeah they they, they they're very clear about sort of how prickish they were but the, the other thing they talk about 
in detail in that book is how every single time they brought out an album, the next time, and it must have been the record label must have been so fucking furious. And the next time they were just like, everything we did on that record, we break all of the rules for the next one. We're not going to make it anything like the last one, right? And like, you know, you just sort of imagine somebody trying to market that band. It must be just so annoying. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, so that record's great, guys. So, so more of the same. And they're like, no, no, we absolutely, we find that absolutely vomit inducing, actually. Man. So <laughs> yeah. we are going to do the exact opposite of that. For this record, actually, we're not even going to have, we're not going to have vocals on it. So <laughs> we're not even going to record it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really love that. I really love that because like they're so, they're so huge and they, they had such an impact, mm. but they just, um, they give a shit. Yeah, yeah, man, and like they, they, as in like, not like we're pretending not to give a shit because people say so people think we're cool that we don't give a shit. They really mm. didn't give a shit, man. Like it was, it's, it's amazing. They're an amazing band. Yeah, but yeah, that book is that book is well worth a read. Now we, we've talked about this uh, a lot, and you've kind of mentioned it when we got in touch with you about about coming on here. So. The misogyny in, in, in a lot of the lyrics of hip hop is something that bumps loads of people. Yeah. Um, what's your What's your take? Because there's there's lots of arguments that we've talked about a, a, a bit. I thought you were about to say, "What's your problem with that?" Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, "Like, what, like lighten up." Yeah, like Edith, <laughs> stop being such a fucking square Jesus. man. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, oh my. Yeah. Uh, no, I was going to say this. There's two like there's two schools of thought on it. I guess. Well, there's more than two, but the two main arguments are opposing arguments are one. It's absolutely it's 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 horrendous and it needs to there needs to be a way of getting rid of it. And the other one is that it's just entertainment and there's loads of forms of entertainment that have that kind of thing. And um, what's your kind of take on all of that? I mean, uh, you, uh, again, you listen to a lot of music. It's it's true, isn't it, that it, it's, it occurs in hip hop more than other genres, right? Yeah, I think so. And I'm, I mean, I've I've not kind of, I've not really done any kind of in depth comparison to any other. But just through my experience with music, I can't think of any other mm. genres of music that 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 are so misogynistic. But and it's and it's it's one kind of group of it as well. It's not yes, you know, it's yeah, not yeah. all hip hop. It's weirdly, it's again back to that MTV thing. There's a it was it was around that whole time that I was there that it just felt like it was it was at its peak. You know, it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, another video mm. by a pool with girls with their tits out and thong on. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it, I, I just found it really boring as well. And it's like, I, I my my take it on it is, well, there's, I've got lots of opinions on it sort of thing. I just think it's unnecessary. It's like, it's 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 kind of lame and it's also lazy, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, and I think there's so much brilliant hip-hop that has such strong meaning and purpose and voice and attitude and you know I think so much hip-hop is is protest songs as well you know in terms of there's been such a lack of that over you know other genres of music for for years that I think hip-hop throughout its history has maintained its ability to kind of to hit hard-hitting subjects through its lyrics really um, mm. But I just feel like the misogyny thing is like, oh, it's just boring. It's kind of like, and it's just, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not a prude. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know who, who, who started it? Who started know, kind of, who started sort of portraying women like that in, in hip hop and who, who thought it was all right and who, yeah. 
you know, and, and how far it can go as well. It's like, just go and write some fucking songs for porn or something. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's, just, it's, it's kind of like, it's a, it's a visual kind of penis extension for most of the artists that are singing it, I think as well. Yeah, it's a weird one. Cause I remember like, they're, they're, you know, cause in terms of like violent lyrics or, or, and misogyny, all that kind of thing, there was a time when, that was what record labels wanted, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, re- record labels were the gatekeepers of what we would see. And so mm-hmm. if you wanted a record label to pick you up, if you wanted to be pushed, you, you deliver that kind of thing that they, that they wanted. But that was also, that's what made it so much more remarkable when you had like a De La Soul or, or bands that were, that were completely different to that. But the, but the truth is, Record labels aren't the gatekeepers in the way that they were. Now you can make, you know, you you got you've got direct access to the consumer now in a way that music didn't have before. So you can make what you want. So so there's an argument that actually falling on those tropes is kind of lazier than it's ever been. Do you know what I mean? Because there, there there are so many there are so many ways that you can do it. And and like you said, I think the point that you made is excellent. Is that it's a it's a little sort of vein of it that's like that. Mm. But what happens is there are people who think that that's what hip hop is, do you know what yeah. I mean? And, and it just mm-hmm. isn't. And so like, I totally agree with you. It's so, it is, it is lazy and it is, it is boring. So you know what's, what, what's the, what's the purpose of it? What are you trying, what are you trying to achieve with it? What's the, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And um, I mean, listen, I, I should, sp- I should sort of make it clear at this point that Rupert is, is very much in favour of all that. I, I just want, yeah, I just think that, I just, yeah, <laughs> if you notice, he's sort of really dipped out of the chat and I just thought, Let's just acknowledge the elephant in the room, the misogynistic elephant in the room. His name's he's lost Rupert. his connection. Of course he has. <laughs> yeah, I've frozen. I've frozen. Oh, no. <laughs> You've seen loads of uh, loads of live hip hop. So are there are there any people in particular? I mean, you noted Eminem for being um, for that performance not being particularly good. But are there anyone that stick out in your mind for being for being great? Yeah, Lord and Hell. I always remember just being kind of sort of knockout really um and then I, I, I remember Snoop Dogg at Glastonbury as well in the middle of the day and he came out and he's um his denim shorts below his knee pristine white sports socks an amazing uh white vest uh and he had uh his mic was extraordinary I can't remember what the I think it just said Snoop in like diamonds on his on his knuckle duster holding microphone thing. And then he had his <laughs> hair in like in ponytails that were braided. Um and he just his presence was extraordinary. Like he walked mm. out onto that stage and before he'd even said a word, that he had them every single person in the palm of his hands um and oh it was it was so great and then when he played you know what's my name it, it just went it was like a headline set like as the sun was like at its peak of the day it was so brilliant he is uh he's Such just a got showman. It, he? he's a showman yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just he's absolutely incredible and um I love when he's in films and stuff as well, you know, like as um, Huggy Bear and Starsky, Starsky and Hutch and stuff like that. Because he's, you can see that he's just, he's just having a laugh. He's just, you know, he's 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 having it really. But that performance was just, oh, it was amazing. It was so good. 
Uh, you've, have you heard about the um, him and Eminem have got a little bit of uh, a little bit of beef at the moment because oh, I love hip hop um, beef. Is it real? <laughs> real beef. I love. Well, well, Snoop was being interviewed. I can't remember. I don't know where exactly he's been interviewed. There, there's an ongoing thing with with Eminem about whether you consider him to be one of the greatest, like lyri- lyricists, right? In terms mm-hmm. of like straight spitting bars and. There's a lot of people that say he's one of the he's one of the greatest, and there's a lot of people that say, "Well, I don't know any real hip hop fans that listen." To there's, there's ongoing arguments, and some of you could argue to do with race and stuff like that. But anyway, yeah. it's very complicated. But but Snoop was um, Snoop was being interviewed, and it was with a view to is M- would you put Eminem on your in your top ten? And Snoop says, "No, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't listen to him. He's certainly not in my top ten. You know, you put him in the top ten. There's people that there's like there's easily people better than him. You know, like he sort of said. But the way he said it, I'm not. I'm not going to start getting into a Snoop impression now. But the way he said it <laughs> was like was like a bit. Please. It was a bit. Um, oh it was a bit. Uh, I would say it was a bit disrespect. Not disrespectful. It was like, why are you even? Why would you even talk to me about Eminem being in the top ten? I don't listen to mm. that guy." Do you, it was like that. That was a kind of. I think the problem was more to do with the tone of it, because I don't think Eminem can rightly demand to be in every single artist's top ten. I don't think that would have pissed him off. But it was just like, it was the manner in which Snoop did it. I think was more of the problem. And so then Eminem was obviously asked about it, and Eminem said that he said, "I don't have a problem with not being in the top in Snoop's top 10. He said it's just that you know Snoop and him are close, right? And so, yeah. and Snoop was quite dismissive about him. So there's a bit of an ongoing thing there. I mean, Snoop's Snoop's become like uh, as Snoop's got older, he's become like that that sort of older that that granddad that kind of just speaks his mind now. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. like, I know he's not. I know he's not that old, but like when he. <laughs> when, um, there's like really funny clips of him talking about young rappers and he's just going, I don't understand all these new rappers. Just like really like... You, you are doing You are, you've done it. Yeah, you've done I'm it. Sorry, you went there, sorry, you went yeah. there. He, uh, you know that he's a massive, um, he's a massive Peaky Blinders fan as well. Is he really? I didn't know that. Yeah, so he got in touch with um, Stephen Knight, who's the creator and writer of Peaky Blinders. And yeah. and Stephen ended up um, being invited to like Snoop's hotel room somewhere, and they sat like for hours. And Snoop was obsessed, is obsessed with Peaky Blinders, and he kind of, he, he I guess because the you know the kind of uh, his background and and you know gangs and stuff like that. It was I guess he saw the kind of the the connection, and he loved the way that Stephen had written the story which is loosely based on, on you know, his, his family's kind of background and stuff as well but it's just so bonkers isn't it yeah I mean imagine snooping one of the Peaky Blinders caps with a binge, binge yeah. watching Peaky you, Blinders you know that Peaky Blinders has jumped the shark when Snoop's got a cameo in it though don't you just sort of <laughs> watch it through the back never say uh, never stranger things have happened he's on cameo as well just to link it all oh. up well can we get him should we try and see if we can get him pay him to do like a how much would it cost you to do your best Peaky Blinders impressions? You just write. You can write in there, and they'll just say anything. <laughs> Rupert, do you know? Do you know how much it is to get Snoop to to do? That? I'm just checking now. All right, go and have a look. Let's see. That would be genius. Oh, it says temporarily unavailable. I, <laughs> I, I bet he has that just you know for whenever he's on. The- you know why? It's because they're filming the new series of Peaky Blinders right now. He's <laughs> in every episode. <laughs> There is absolutely no way that Snoop's not watching that with subtitles, man. There, there, there's no way that dude. 
could understand Peaky Blinders. So, uh, what are you listening to um, at the moment, then, Edith? Are you still listening to hip hop? Uh, a fair bit of hip hop, or I mean, when I can, it's quite it's quite tricky with the kids because I mean, there yeah. I don't really have any spare time at the minute or like time yeah. on my own. I find myself just sitting in the toilet today for an extra twenty minutes with my phone, not on the toilet, just kind of in that room, just because I was in it on my own without you know. <laughs> small children's ears listening like the other oh, day mate, I put... it's a wonderful it's a wonderful break isn't it the toilet oh my it's god so it's like yeah it's ridiculous um i just i can't like the other day i was listening to some stuff and then i'd kind of forgotten about where it went language wise and the kids were on a live you know live school lessons and i was like frantically trying to get the volume down and stuff and it's like oh god um i was like really please tell me you're on mute um so i haven't been listening to much um for myself recently but um the kids are in charge at the minute which is is kind of crazy but they are obsessed with these, these guardians of the galaxy um soundtracks it's a lady it's weird i don't know what it is about it. i think obviously they like the story and they like watching the films and you know, the sort of seven-year-olds walking about giving it ooga chaka, ooga ooga. I can't stop this, and it's like, <laughs> oh my god. That 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 mm. first, I haven't listened much to the second one or the first Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, where uh, Quill, Star Lord. I'm a, I like I'm, I, I love all the Marvel films, but like Same. when he's walking, when he's walking at the beginning of the film. And he's got the tune on, and he's kicking those little creatures about to the, and singing into one of their heads and all that. Yeah. It's fucking amazing, man! Yeah. Like, and that, and the way they they baked that soundtrack into that film is unbelievable, mm. man! It's so good. And then the second one, which I I didn't enjoy the second one quite as much as the first one, but the second one, there's that incredible track with David Hasselhoff, like doing the sort yeah. of. Rap, it's insane, man. An old tune or anything. No, it's a new, it's a new, yeah, he appears new, yeah. in it. As, yeah. It's so wow. good. We it had to so find good. my seven-year-old. Uh, so you know how he walks about with his cassette player with the headphones and stuff? Yeah. So my seven-year-old top of his Christmas list was a cassette player. So we managed to find him a cassette player online. And we also managed to find the Guardians of the Gal- Galaxy soundtrack on cassette. <laughs> And so now what That's he's great. doing is he's got his granddad uh, has got, obviously, uh, he, he's got his separate kind of, you know, sound system where he can still record onto cassette. So now we've got a whole load of blank cassettes that Spike's getting all his favourite CDs and stuff put onto cassette so he can walk about with this. So funny. Wow, that is amazing. So re- it's like reverse technology. It's awesome. I digitised all my cassettes. Like all of my old mixtapes and stuff. When you still got them. We love stuff. them. <laughs> Actually, I do have a box in the attic. I'll send them. Please. You do not want Rupert's cassette collection. I don't think it's suitable. Just Brian Adams, loads of stuff. <laughs> my dad's going to send them. My dad found a box of stuff of mine at, at home over Christmas, so he's going to send them down. So Christ knows what's on there. <laughs> yeah, I love. I, I had so many cassettes, man. But um, I, God knows what. You might, you might find that uh, shout out to Romesh on there, maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. I love. <laughs> I would love to be able to find that. That would be amazing if we had, could go on the the BBC yeah. to go back and find 
find out when the roots played and then look two yeah. days later and go I know. Do you awesome. actually see word for word how thirsty I was on that text message Just, <laughs> hi Edith hi Edith really Aww. enjoying your show Keep doing what you do. Um, just still absolutely buzzing from a couple of nights ago when I went to see the Roots. They really are Philly's finest. Were you in the same vibe back then? <laughs> oh, man. Plug one, plug two. Guest plugs for you. Well, look, look, Edith, it's been um, an absolute pleasure to have you with us, man. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much for joining us. Normally... A Saturday night, none of us would be uh, would be anywhere near doing a podcast record on a Saturday night. But now it's just uh, it just feels like a break, doesn't it? Doing it's lovely. Like yeah, I feel like we've like been at a pub or something and just having a chat around the table yeah. in the pub. It's been awesome. Uh, well, where can we uh, where can we find your stuff? What are you up to at the moment? So my po- I've got my podcast soundtracking. So obviously I've mentioned films a few times in our chat um Mm. and i launched um this podcast a few years back just to kind of talk about the relationship between music and film both in terms of you know like those needle drops that we talked about like in guardians of galaxy but also score and so it's purely from a film fan's point of view you know i'm not kind of any aficionado on that side of things but i'm learning so much as I go along and so we have you know directors actors writers producers composers on um and we had Ludwig Goranson on recently actually who um most recently did the score for Mandalorian Tenet he did Black Panther and he is really good mates with Charlie Gambino they go way 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 back and he oh really yeah yeah he produced um this is America. Oh, right. Okay. And uh, wow. yeah, and so it was great to get the chance to talk to him uh, about obviously his amazing composing work, but then also just uh, about that as well and putting that together and um, and how long they'd been working on that actually together as well. So that was great to get to to chat to him about it. So yeah, Soundtracking with Edith Bowman is the name of the podcast and it's it's available on all your usual podcast providers and stuff, but it's, it's my proper kind of... Um, little passion project that I we've done one every week since we launched we've missed two weeks since August 2016 okay we've put out an episode every week I'm rubbish that's probably I don't think we've done two consecutive weeks since 2016 that's that's... (laughs) we had I know you mentioned colors earlier but best best hip-hop soundtrack colors yeah I'm I'm the juice guy just that racking rubbish I'd probably go juice as well you know yeah banger Sip the juice, I got enough to go around And the thought takes place uptown I grew up on a sidewalk while on street talk And then taught the whole New York I go to Queens for Queens to get the food from Brooklyn Make money in Manhattan and never been took it Go uptown to the Bronx and boogie down Get strong on the island, recoup and lay around Time to build my juice back up Pop stack up, suckers get smacked up Don't doubt the clout, they know what I'm about Knocking niggas off, knocking niggas out Shaking them up, waking them up Breaking them up, breaking them up Tell you what was really nice as well. We say I managed to get Tim Roth for the podcast and eat from his kitchen. It's quite nice to see inside Tim Roth's kitchen. Um, but we talked about um, gridlock and uh, obviously him working with Tupac on that. And it was yeah. a really interesting story about how uh, Tim initially was really flippant about having a hip hop. Uh, artist you know as his co-star but then met him and was absolutely just you know floored by him and obviously they pretty much just 
got the film finished before he died. And I think yeah. we might have actually been a couple of days short of, of finishing. But it was amazing just to hear that story from him um, and the kind of, you know, that film as well. But um, yeah, he's an interesting one as well, Tim Roth. Yeah, and I think the whole thing of, the, the great thing about that, your podcast is that, you know, when you sort of think about, if you were doing the score for for someone like Black Panther or Tenet or, or anything like that, just, I mean, obviously I know that we're not musicians, but the thought of like, where the fuck do you even <laughs> begin to start? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. what, I mean, also the other thing is sort of the nerves that you'd have going, I've put this, I've put this thing together, but I think we'll go with it. And they're just sort <laughs> of sitting there because you've got no, you know, yeah, just yeah. sitting there watching this director or whoever just like react to this thing that you've created and going, sorry, is this for, is this for this film you think yeah. this is? Are you joking? Totally. Like, are you joking? It's like, like I did, so we did Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross last week and they've yeah. done, they've done Mank, recently did Mank, the new Fincher film and then they also did Soul, the Pixar film. Right, right, right. And John Batiste did all the jazz stuff right. on it. Um, and they talked about how they've worked with Fincher since Social Network, obviously, but they still put together, like, uh, they have a chat with him about stuff and then they send off an initial kind of I ideas, sonic ideas to them. And they still say they sit and wait in sweats for, like, three yeah. days to get, like, the response from him. You know, and if they haven't had it straight away, then they're like, oh, God, he doesn't like it. You know, why is he taking so long to reply? You know, what's how long's a good time to wait until we send him another email? It's hilarious. It's so oh funny. God. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, oh, it's making me feel anxious just thinking about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, well, make sure you check out uh, the Soundtracking Podcast. Uh, it's great. Edith. Thank you so much. Thank you for so much, Jay. This has been such a laugh. Thank you. It's been awesome. Can we do it again soon, please? Yeah, yeah. Let's do, let's do it again tomorrow. Yeah. Next Saturday. Oh, cheers, Jen. Thanks, mate. Cheers. See ya.